On this episode of Radcast Outdoors, we sit down with legendary fisherman, Hall of Famer, and co-founder of In Fisherman, Lindy Equipment, co-owner of Linder Media, Al Linder. Of course, everybody knows Al from his days on In Fisherman and has seen him on a number of different TV shows, including The Angling Edge. And on this episode of Radcast Outdoors, we sit down, we visit with him about a number of different topics, including fishing, family, fame, his faith, and of course, what are his favorite things to fish for to this day. We hope you'll sit down, relax, and enjoy this episode of Ragcast Outdoors. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. From the Porter's 10Cast Studio, here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Again, Al, it's great to have you on the program. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Danny Curtilla, my cousin, for helping set this up with Al. Um, that was kind of a big deal. And Thanks, Danny. Yeah, so I really appreciate Danny. And um, Al, just want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us on a podcast for a little bit. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. There's nothing makes me happier than a cold in Minnesota. If I can't be out fishing, I should be talking about fishing. <laughs> it's going to be well below zero tonight. So, <laughs> so Al, that's probably one of the big motivations for Patrick and I to start this podcast is we both have young families and we're both avidly into the outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, or a little bit of both. So that's our, our goal is to, uh, you know, recruit new, new anglers and new hunters to the, to the outdoors. Well, the timing is, is really appropriate for it. Yeah. You know, we've got a whole new recruitment uh, uh, coming in because of COVID, our sport has never seen before experience in the outdoors, and they need uh, need some guidance in a lot of cases to you know respect the resource, and uh, 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 that's an important part of what's happening now with these a uh, whole lot of these newbies coming in. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch you over the years because you've you've really helped kind of teach everybody about that and i know as a kid i always looked forward to outdoor life coming in the mail and also in fisherman magazine because that was that was kind of the thing was you know i wanted to learn more about fishing and growing up in cheyenne wyoming it was like a dead zone of fishing i mean there's there's really not much close unless you're going to drive like two hours to glendo three and a half hours to seminole five hours to voice and like you just forget about it. There's just nothing there. So um, <laughs> you talk about teaching people. I was reading that as much as I could. Cause I knew when I went, I had to really capitalize on those trips. And so um, you've done an amazing job about that. And I, I just wanted to know if you could just share some tips with us, you know, what's, what's some key strategies of getting kids and just other anglers out on the water. What are some good strategies and tips? The number one, it, it, number one, make sure you take them when you can get them bet. People, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't hold eyes how important that is, especially with the younger ones that have uh, short attention spans. And it, it is critical that that barber is going down or something's pulling on the end of that line. And uh, 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 that's one of the key. And even with uh, new adults, and we have a lot of those, those coming into the sport now that have never fished before. And uh, yes, they have patience where the young people don't. However, their patience will wane after one or two trips without getting a bite. It's the biggest hindrance that I've seen to our sport. And your people, not the key is getting a, a bite to light that fire. They got to catch something. And uh, you don't want to take them out in miserable weather conditions. You have the weather good and do everything in your power to make sure that they get bit. And the reason people fish and continue to fish is they had a good experience, and a good experience is something pulling on the end of their line. That's really the reason you're out there. That's what motivates people. It's the miracle of a fish. It is amazing to me my entire life in this business to see what a fish can do to change somebody's life. Yeah, yeah, you know, a, a kid sitting on the dock catching bluegills and all of a sudden out of nowhere a two-pound bass runs out from under the dock and grabs your bait you never had you're catching you know six inch bluegills and having a ball and out of this bass is there you hook it break where you land it 
change your life forever. Somebody <laughs> had never muskied fish, they fished. Yeah, you know, they heard something about it. They're they're going out with somebody that knows something about it. All of a sudden, next to the boat, this monster opens his mouth and bites on it. it it's an image that burns into your into your spirit that you never change. It never goes away. That's what lights the fire in this sport. And that's why it's so important to, 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 to uh, and, and the good weather to, to, to do it. Uh, and that's the key is to get, get them action, get them action, get them action. And then if they're really young, you, you know, after two, three hours, you know, they like to think around in a live well, you get a few fish around. All kids like the, they're fascinated with fish bouncing around in a live well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that that's the key. It really is the key to keep them motivated and keep them fishing their action in a short period of time. You know, and again, with the, the adult or even a young person, after, after you know, you get them out for two trips, the third time, uh, yeah, you're going to say, hey, you want to go fishing with me today? They have two bad experiences, and they're, they're going to go bad back and uh, play video games. <laughs> you know, the interest won't be there. So, Al, I was fortunate enough to grow up near saltwater and my dad uh in the pacific northwest we did a lot of salmon and and halibut and deep sea and i i got introduced very young to fishing we actually just had a podcast with my dad on talking about you know starting that fire that you're talking about i'm, I'm curious who was the fishing mentor in your life the person that got you hooked on fishing actually my my brother is 10 years my senior and uh uh he he took me everywhere from the time i was a little kid yeah, you know, he's seeing a, a burning passion. He shared that. He, he says there was something about it. From the time you were little, you were obsessed with fish and fishing. And he nurtured that. He actually nurtured that, that, that. And, and him being 10 years older than I am, uh, yeah, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. And uh, uh, I had some really good experiences in those years. One of them that, that really fed my passion for fishing was my mother. And this is kind of strange, but uh, uh, I mean, I got to share that story with you. My brother obviously loved the fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he took me everywhere, everywhere we could go. We fished all of the ponds and lakes and creeks and rivers in between Chicago and Milwaukee. And there's many of them. And we were out every moment we could go. He'd be able to go away. He, he took me, took me, took me. But, uh, my mother really liked to fish and, uh, She's seen, you know, people would ask me, you know, at a young age, uh, what do you, you, you'd go to a Christmas gathering, a family or friends like this, and they'd say, hey, Al, you know, a conversation, Al, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I boldly come, I'm going to live in fishing. That's what I'm going to do. And kind of look at you, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, and blow it off. And, and, and my mother, she, she under the guy, my brother, which she, she, at Christmas time or birthdays or special events, every time I, all my Christmas presents and gifts were the latest, greatest fishing tackle in the industry. <laughs> Whether it was a rod, a reel, a lure, a, a magazines, bu- books, uh, uh, anything that, that, that she fed that and fed it and fed it. Never said, that, well, that's a dumb thing. How are you going to make a living in a fishing industry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, especially at that time you know, that, that many years ago. Yeah. You know, and you know, the only thing you, you know, you had tackle manufacturers that outdoor writers that, uh, uh, at that time, one of the in- inspiring outdoor writers to me as a kid was Jason Lucas. He wrote for sports of field at that time. And he, he wrote a book called Lucas on bass. And I'll bet you, I read it a dozen times at least and marked every page. In <laughs> 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 the experience is burned it, it, into my mind on that. So, yeah, you know, it's experiences like that. It, uh, uh, then television, I remember pioneers of TV, the TV fishing business, the first one, uh, his name was Gadabout Gaddis, the flying fisherman. He was the first one that had syndicated television fishing shows. And he'd fly to different locations all over the country and share his fishing experience. Get about Gaddis. And then, and then that led to Virgil Ward that was the true uh, uh, championship fishing. And, and he was the one that lit my fire to get into the fishing industry and do a television show in the business. I had uh, He was here in my hometown in Brainerd, Minnesota when he had... Uh, we were starting Lindy Tackle Company, and uh, uh, his producer 
uh, his name was J- Dave Jadwin. He, he gave us a call at the office work one day, and he, he, he says, "Hi, I'm Dave Jadwin. I'm, I'm with Virgil War, War Championship Fishing. We've been in the area for three days, and we're having how we want to do a walleye show on jigs, bassbuster jig." And uh, he says, can, "Can you help us out? I understand you know the lake. You're a really good fisherman. Everybody says, go call Al, go call Al if you want one.' So I says, "We'll do a show." I said, "Absolutely." We went out. We got a phenomenal show shot in four hours. He got everything done. He's all happy. He took off and went back to Missouri. And, and we finished that. My, bro- my brother looks at me that night. We're talking. He, he says, yeah, that's great. He does a television show and talks about the lures that he manufactures. I said, you know, we could do that. We got Linda. Why don't we start a television fishing show? And help with that's what <laughs> that's what lit our fire and got us into the business of doing TV fishing shows. <laughs> that was it. That trip went. <laughs> we bought a camera. I mean, that's what camera. And uh, my brother learned how to use it and, and how to splice tape together. As you were shooting with film at that time, you had rewind. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know these stories on how you get into the game and into the fishing industry and into the sport and the different aspects that are available all you, you get these different stories from everybody that that has has been fortunate enough to make a living business but i'll go back to what i said just a little bit early it just amazes me what a fish just a fish could do to change somebody's life astounding to me how it happens all the time one experience with a fish and and, and just bam yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. you know your life is changed by it yeah i i agree it's it's an amazing experience. I, I remember catching fish when I was little and how it lit my fire. And again, I, I promised that I would do this on the podcast and I, I hope it's not lost because you hear this stuff a lot. But my friend Seth Ewing, who lives in northern Idaho and myself, we we grew up just eating up your your shows and uh, the magazine and, and it really did benefit both of us. He's He's an incredible fly fisherman. And he, mm-hmm. he learned a lot from your fly fishing video that you guys put out with Dahlberg and, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I love the smallmouth and the walleye and those kind of species. And so it's just one of those things where I, I hope it's not lost on you when you hear us say, you know, thank you so much for doing all of that, because it really did inspire a lot of people across the United States and the world, um, to go out and fish and to take other people fishing, which I think is really cool. One of the things that I always enjoyed and my dad and I always enjoyed watching you fish was just the joy on your face. You were always, you know, chuckling and laughing and having a great time. And we were just living vicariously through you as the wind blew about 70 miles an hour through Cheyenne, Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's just, it, it it really did make a big difference. And I do want to, I want to ask about this because this is really important to David and I, we, we both have little kids and we take them out, you know, fishing, hunting, different activities. And, you know, you have kids of your own and, and I know like he's very influential and big into the fishing business as well. But can you talk a little bit about what that was like raising your kids to be fishermen, but also, you know, kind of raising them during that time that, you know, you're just so busy and you got all these things going on with the, with the fishing world and the fame that you had going on. How did you manage all those things and still make it a great experience for your kids? Well, they grew up in the business. They did. There's not you know, all, all seven, Ryan had seven children. I've got two boys, all of the kids, even the girls, three of his kids are girls. They all served in the business doing something. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the time we started Lindy Tackle Company, there were pouring sinkers and learning how to tie snells, wrap them on cars. <laughs> they were exposed to the business as a family-run business, all, all, I mean, all their life. You know, and they grew up, and, and, and many of them went in different fields, you know, and did other things. But, but, but a number of them stayed in the business and are in the business today, like Jimmy and Danny and Billy and my son Troy. Yeah, 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 you know, and and my Dawn niece, who work, worked as a, a PR director for us for many, many years at Ann Fisherman, and still helps me uh, uh, write, write material and press releases and things like that. She's really gifted in that area. Yeah, you know, but they grew up in the business, and yeah, 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 you know, and 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 that way you were able to spend time together. So they understood it. They understand the travel and and, and the things that this, the lifestyle. 
if you want to make a, a living, a good, comfortable living in the fishing industry, in the same sense, I don't hunt my, my, myself, but I know many people that do, and I do know the, the, that end of the business relatively well because there's similarities uh, uh, to, to it. They, these days, you know, it's a lifestyle business that you want to get into, and it encompasses a lot of time. It isn't a, it isn't a nine to five job. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, you eat, sleep. 24 hours or so, you go to bed at night thinking, and I'm still today, I've been in this all my life. There is not one single day that goes by that I don't read something about fishing, watch something about fishing, talk to somebody about fishing. It happens all the time. Not a day goes by where some aspect of it, it isn't touched in my life, a part of my life. And, uh, uh, my closest friends are pretty much involved in the fishing industry. <laughs> so <laughs> that my closest friends are. <laughs> that sparks a question for me, Al. And that's, you know, I'm kind of way, way beginning of this journey. I've got a small family run company, but it's in the hunting outdoor space. And, you know, my boys are being raised growing up. We work, right? We, we have stuff to do. There's, it's a small family run business. It's, sure, sure. it's not, you know, dad goes to work at nine and we're, we're done at five and let's go do X and Y. But my question is long-term for me, my dad took me fishing a lot and now I go hunting and now my boys are in a hunting company being raised. How did you see kind of the transition of with raising these kids in the company, in the fishing industry, have they stayed on and continued to fish and still thrive? Is that, is that, was that a positive experience for them? Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. For a number of them. Now, there's some of them that it was not. I'll use my two boys as an example. My oldest son, Sean, and, and it, it was not. And, and uh, he just shared with me. I'll give you my first experience with it. He, he, he was raised in the business. He worked in it, worked his way through until he went off to college in it. But he never was interested in fishing. His, his passion, in his case, was things that moved fast snowmobiles, motorbikes, four-wheelers, dirt bikes. This is what he loved to do. Sounds like we'd get along pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what he loved to do. Troy, on the other hand, from the time he was a little tiny kid, you could see the seat of, he would be on the dock in front of our house here a day and night, catching bass on frogs and and, and just running up and down the bank, bank catching he, he loved it from the time he was four or five years old. The internet never changed. He absolutely loved. And I just think that, you know, God created us all slightly different with different interests, and, and, and that's a good thing. You had one boy in the garage tinkering on motors and going faster, and you had another guy you couldn't keep at the house. He was taking his fishing pole, and he was to the water at four and five. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you, and you have to, as a parent, you have to respect that. You know, I respect that. They have to be their own person and, and, and seek out the things. And they all had different, you know, that those different interest levels uh, impacted their life as they were growing up and led in some cases to to what they're doing today. You know, again, my son Troy is into it in a lot of different areas and my oldest son. And interestingly, he, he, he liked, even as a kid, he loved living on the edge. He liked the, <laughs> he loved the excitement of a snowmobile race and that. He'd, he'd get so pumped on that. And today he's, he's a paramedic. He's a wilderness paramedic and he's fighting fires in California. <laughs> and he loves the game, man. He likes that. He likes living on the edge. I get it. <laughs> to me, I like living the, on the solitude of a lake. It is my peace and contentment. That's what I really like. <laughs> I imagine. And, you know, I follow Troy on social media, and that, that guy is always out doing something, and he's he's an incredible fisherman. I mean, it's... it's Multi-species, yeah. He's, oh, he's, man. He's loved, he's just anything, anywhere, anyway, and he loves digging around in off-beat places for lack of a... Uh, he, he's got rods, he's got pack rods, and no matter where he goes, he's carrying rods. He sees a body of water anywhere, anything. They could hold the fish. He just drives off on the side of the road and he goes fishes anywhere, anywhere yep. as he's traveling around the country. That that that's with him. Yeah, because he spent he some, loves doing that. Yeah, stuff. he spends some time out west, and I know he's fished some areas where I've been, and it's just kind of cool to see that. And I do want to ask you a question about that. It, everybody has some of those favorite moments. What was the like a favorite moment for you fishing with your kids that you can recall? Um, 
the years uh, I'll, I'll go with Troy. Oh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a, my, my oldest son that never got turned on to it. And here's one of the mistakes I make, made with him. There was a series of bass tournament series starting in Minnesota a zillion years ago. It was called the North Star Bass Tournament Tour. And uh, when he was about four years old, I took him pre-fishing. Mary and I got a cabin on a lake, and I took him pre-fishing for that tournament with me. And he had a Snoopy rod. He had a Snoopy rod, and then I had a white spinnerbait. And, and it was, you know, it was cool. We were up in the morning. It was, it was out a cool day, thinking around. He's dragging the spinnerbait through the water, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to catch some fish. And then after a little while, I, I, I just said something, something to him. We're going to move house. Are you having, are you, you want to go in or anything? He's holding the rod, a little bit cold, and he looks at me. He looks at the rod. He throws it headed a boat and looked at me again. (laughs) 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 I got the message. And he says, Dad, you burned me out so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think there's a balance there, Al, where... uh, (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, my dad took me steelhead fishing and I've I've got quite a few steelhead to my name and if you, anybody out there knows steelhead they they can be finicky and tricky fish to catch. I I mean the passion for catching them is is kind of gone. I I've, I've, <laughs> I've been wore out steelhead fishing and I've seen this in the hunting industry where you know you, you get some guys that are pretty have some prowess and and are pretty successful. They take their 16 17 year old son out and he shoots a, a world caliber elk and 10 years later he's he's not into elk hunting, he's into fishing or or snowmobiling yeah, yeah. or something else. So so those are all those images Oh, the other side of that story with Troy, you says, what are the experiences? Uh, for a number of years, we as a family, uh, a number of us went up and we fished some tournaments in Canada, uh, a rainy lake on the Minnesota Canadian border, and another one in, out of Kenora on the top end of Lake of the Woods. And we fished some team tournaments up there. And uh, over the years that we had fished that thing as a group together, Ron fished with one of his, his sons, Jimmy and Billy. Uh, two of his other boys fished, fished together. Ron fished with Danny. I fished with Troy. And uh, we look forward to these, these team tournaments every year up, up there. And we won a number of them. And Jimmy and, and Billy won two of them back to back. And those weeks, the, the week of pre-fishing leading into that tournament, and that was a final week. must have done that for 15 years. Yeah, you know, and it was the highlights of, of our trip to, together with all of us as a family together. And e- each one of us, every one of them, when I talk, talk, talk to the boys inclusive of, of Troy now, he says that was some of the most enjoyable experiences we ever had. And uh, all of us at one time or another did really good. Troy and I did a couple seconds and thirds in it. I did win one with him in California. And, and, and when I had an opportunity to fish with him, those times that we were in those events burn memories that they talk about still till. Yeah. And those trips are really important with father and a son. I know with my dad, we had an annual trip that we would take to Flaming Gorge. And that always meant the world to me because we'd spend, you know, five or six days out on the gorge just fishing and not worrying about all the other stuff, you know, the work and stresses of life. And, you know, I, I had told you in an email about a trip to Boyce and just those kind of trips just make a huge difference in a young angler's life, and it definitely makes it something that makes them want to come back later. And, and the, it just it burns into your spirit. You get so excited, and then you, you think about it so often, these things you keep revisiting that in your mind, those are great, great, great experiences. Yep, absolutely. And I wanted to touch on something else because we do try to help you know young people new people in the get into fishing and whatnot. And what are some tips that you give people when they're going to a brand new fishery? and they've never been there before, what do you tell them to look for, and what are some tips that you give them? Well, to, to, yeah, you know, it, it's gotten a lot easier these days because of social media. <laughs> yeah. you, you could tap into local fights, really. I, I mean, your, your, your pre-fishing research uh, on lake levels and what the bite's been like recently, water clarity, satellite image, it is endless in comparison to what we had. 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it was a whole, I mean, I mean, I lived through the changes that I've seen are, are staggering, <laughs> you know, in, in the business of, of what to look for. But you could do so much preliminary work. Yeah, you know, you know, get, get getting on your computer, uh, uh, checking out Google Earth, going to local sites, uh, hunting down the lo- local reports that give you an idea of what the bite is like and what they're biting on. Yeah, you know, even to depth depth preferences, that stuff today is is in most cases 
these areas have a, a very dependable retail outlet. Mm-hmm. And that retail outlet uh, is a great source of information. They don't hide stuff from people. They want you to have a good experience. And they have fishing reports that are done weekly. Yeah, you know, or there's things that are posted uh, through their retail operation. So so they give you the most up-to-date information you can possibly get. And it is it saves you so much time by doing a little bit of homework. So Al, you've got to fish a lot of places in your lifetime. What was one of your favorite destinations? One place you want to go, go back, you know, to, at this point so far? Uh, probably one of the greatest, exp- a, a place that I would go, go back, back and it, I had was a family, family from, went to Australia and uh, we fished Barramundi and we floated the rivers. My wife stayed, she didn't go, she didn't go in with us when we went into the jungle and we did get a three day float. <laughs> <laughs> but I had my two boys with me, and uh, we floated the rivers for Barramundi, and, and we camped at night on, on the banks and stuff, and it was going through the, the you'd see the Aborigine villages that you would thought these people would come to the river. Yeah, you see these saltwater, <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. that were, were, it was an amazing ex- experience. We, we fished out of the very tip of Queensland. Uh, when what, with the river for Barramundi was fun, fun. That, the guy that we were with had a massive John boat, and, and I think if I remember right, we had like a sixty horsepower motor on it. And we went, we took took off out of out of Tip of Queensland, and we went out. I don't know how many miles, thirty miles or so. It was in between there and New Guinea, and you had the two oceans met, and it was like a boil there. There, there I've never seen so many fish in my life. And I, we got spooled on stuff. Stuff is a good thing we had backup equipment. I don't even know what. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, it, it was an unbelievable experience. That and there, and then we fished GTs, the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, you know, a couple of days we did that top water fishing for GTs. But that was the the, the most the, probably one of the most memorable trips I've ever had. And my boys were old enough to to remember that and, and enjoy it. And I've never been back again. I've never been back back to Australia again to, to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, oh man, it was it was <laughs> exciting. It was really exciting. Every day was a true adventure. Oh man. And that's one awesome thing about fishing is, you know, whether you're going out your back porch to your little pond or, you know, for, for me, it was, we went to Alaska a couple of times in my teenage years. Dad took us up to Prince of Wales Island and, you know, those, you can either go on a short little, you know, 10 minute trip around, around the corner and fish a, a canal right by your house, or you can go halfway across the globe and, you know, go to Australia. Mm-hmm. The, the, the opportunities are endless, and every one of them is special in its own way. You know, and every fish is special in its own way. I work with some incredibly gifted anglers, uh, uh, like Jimmy and Jeremy, a hardcore muskie nuts. They love it. I mean, this is their fish of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, 12 months out of the year, they're, they're on sites. They're always thought, where's the muskie butt? What's next year? Where's their planet? What their shoots? <laughs> shoots are and, and uh, that, that but every one of us yeah, my my fish of choice was a smallmouth bass and then i'll go to a walleye and a largemouth after that and, and uh, i enjoy musky fishing but not like these guys do i mean they're yeah that's their deal and we got guys crappy fish that, that love crappy fishing and i'm kind of more kind of favor what troy i like a little of everything and in every case everybody in our office sometime throughout the year goes and jerks some jaws on a carp. Mm-hmm. We, we, we all will get a carp bite in one, <laughs> two, at least two, two, two times, at least. Yeah, you know, something different, something out of the ordinary. And we're good, go catch some carp. And, and you know, it, they pull, they're fun to catch, they're challenging at times. There's a lot of different ways to get them. Yeah, you know, the, it's something I would not want to do every day. I like to mix it up. I like to catch a lot of different kinds of fish. Yeah. You know, I can't do one, one thing. I like the variety. But I'm, I'm, I mean, carp are, uh, they're so, they're, they're fascinating fish. And uh, I still, in, in our country today, in the States, they, they, you know, in Europe and different places of the world, they're, they're you know, they're a big deal, especially the European nations. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of, it's, it's a, that's the money fish. Yeah, they're, yeah they're, that, that's like our bass here. You know, it drives the market in many, many, many cases. 
something silly like in some offbeat little little places. Me and Troy will, will go around when I visit him. Him, he'll take me to these shore fishing spots and little times we mainly go carp fishing. Chum <laughs> mm-hmm. you see him in the afternoon. We'll go think around for three hours, four hours. You know, some offbeat places. He learned that when he was in Arizona. Four years he went to college there. He learned all the inner city lakes. He didn't have the boats with him then until I'd come down with a boat. Yeah, I know. So all during breaks and classes, he found every single nook and cranny that had fish in and around the entire Phoenix area. And believe me, there was a lot of them. There was a lot of little ponds and stuff. And and, and, and it was, you know, it had carpet, had a moor, or you had your standard run of carpet. It had, they all had bass, yeah, you know, and, and largemouth bass in there, and they had bluegill in there, catfish. So we just dinked around shore fishing. That's where his love of, of bank fishing all developed. Those four years he went to school there, and all he did was bank fish all the time. And it was just fun. I would love to go do it with him. I, you know, I, I got the greatest and late greatest toys in the world on my lund. I'm rigged out with everything you can imagine on the boat. You know, the latest technology and everything. And there's a whole lot of times, it's just a whole lot of fun to go beat a pond fish from Fort Shore and go catch some carp. (laughs) Absolutely. This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you in part by PK Lures. PK Lures makes some of the best fishing lures on the market. Their high quality lures shine when others don't by helping you put fish in the boat or on the ice consistently. I've been using PK Lures successfully now for over 12 years and I can personally attest to their effectiveness. When I'm ice fishing, you can bet that I have a PK Red Dot Glow Jigging Spoon or a Fire Tiger Glow Jigging Spoon tied on one of my rods. They've helped me catch many high quality fish of various species from season to season. My favorite hard water lures are the PK Spoon, PK Flutterfish, and Tungsten Predator. For open water, I love the PK Spinajig, PK Dakota Disc, and the next generation PK Ridgeline Crankbait. This past season, I was introduced to the PK Wobbler, which is also a really effective fish catching machine from the boat. They also have some incredible videos on their website, pklure.com, to show you exactly how to use these wonderful lures. So if you want to have a little more success out on the water and you want to help support a great company, please go to pklure.com. Again, that's pklure.com and get your PK lures today. And please tell them that the Radcast Outdoors podcast sent you. So I was going to ask you, I've always wondered this and and I'm sure you've talked about it before, but you know, everybody's got their favorite method of catching a fish. Like if you could catch a fish in any type of method and any, any species, I know you love the small mouse. I love the small mouse as well, but if you could catch a fish in any type of presentation, what's your favorite? A jig. A jig? There's no question. Absolutely no question for me. No no question whatsoever. (laughs) Jig, 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 jig. (laughs) <laughs> I remember watching you on, uh, it was a walleye video and a bass video, just catching tons and tons of fish on those jigs. So I had a feeling it might be jigs. For everything, whether I'm walleye, smallmouth, largemouth bass, big, 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 big pike, some version of jigging for musky done, done with tubes and big rubber baits. It's, it's a jig, a jig, and a jig. <laughs> I don't think there's a better way for all kinds of fish all the time anywhere. You know, of one sty, one family of baits. Naturally, right. there's a lot that comes under the heading of a jig. But sure. yeah, yeah, you know, it's a, a piece of lead of some kind with a dressing off of the back of it. <laughs> of some kind. It might weigh it might weigh four ounces <laughs> for lake trout. You know, <laughs> yeah. feet of water, and it might be a a one sixty fourth ounce for for, for crappie. A purple mylar jig will work pretty good for steelhead, but I, I'm a, I'm preferential to, to topwater dry fly stuff. I like to see that fish commit and come out of the water. That's just, I, I did enough, you know, wet fly fishing that I, Patrick knows we've gone on some high mountain lakes and I just, I really like to, to fool that fish to come up all the way out of the water. That's it is any kind of topwater fishing, like for musky or smallmouth or largemouth, anything. Rare occasions, pike get on a good topwater bite. Yeah, but you know those are really fun. If you want to be consistent year round, yeah, you gotta you gotta get beneath the surface of the water. <laughs> yeah, my biggest pike was a, I had a fifty three inch pike, and this thing was was monstrous, and it was Lake Nagelini, Larry Larry Dahlberg. And, and he was filming when we were at Rinner, and I got it on a buzz bait in the back of a cut in shallow water. Wow. And, and uh, you talk about a memorable experience with, with, with that. And uh, 
And, you know, Larry's been everywhere to do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, and he still thought about that. That he, he says that pike was, it was an unbelievable scene. And, and again, 53-inch pike is, it, we figured that this fish was mid-30 pounds, you know, 35, 38 pounds, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. maybe even much. It was, gig- it was gigantic, you know, a gigantic fish for a pike. That was a topwater fish. I had a buzzbait bait of all things. <laughs> that would be... That would be a lot of fun. I Now I'm like, wow, that sounds like a blast. But I want to change gears just a little bit. Um, one of the things that I've admired about you for years is that you're not afraid to talk about your faith. And I think that that's a very important thing. And, you know, I want to see if you could share just a little bit about your spiritual journey and how God has played a big role in your life. Yeah, absolutely. The two most important parts of my life, and I share, share it all, all, all the time, is fishing and my faith. You know, they go hand in hand. Every day, day is this part of my life. I integrate it in what we do with the television shows. You know, the the impact that it, it I'll try to kind of quickly for you, until the time I was 35 years old, you know, I, uh, I was a person that was not an atheist or an agnostic. I probably would have favored more definitely not an atheist. And I don't believe anybody that spends any amount of time in the outdoors anywhere can be an atheist. I I think that's an impossibility. (laughs) But but I had no really, I was obsessed. And I guess that's the only word I could use. I was obsessed with fishing 24 seven. That was all that, you know, that's all I did. And our businesses were building at that point in in, in time. And, and, uh, at, at, at 35, I started to get a tugging in my heart to, to uh, like the spirit of God was just tugging in, in my heart. I met people that that uh, turned their life over to the Lord, Lord, Lord that were hard party, hard drinking people that I knew, uh, hard partiers, you know, and they were like a different person, you know, night and day. And they started to talk to me about about Jesus, God, forgiveness, yeah, stuff I never heard of before. But, but they're really, and it may sound dumb to a lot of people, but you got to understand that. Nothing. Really knew nothing. And then I started the search. Uh, I, you know, and I think his mother's life got into He got free of booze. He had a heart to booze much of his life. And, and, and one day he turned his life over to the Lord, asked forgiveness for his sins. And, and uh, uh, I said, Lord, Lord, help me. I, I, I can't do it myself. I need your help. I need your direction on this thing. Guide me here. Yeah, 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 you know. And he made a confession of faith. And I see the impact on his life. And then for about two years, you know, I wandered around. I studied the Word of God. The Bible became a challenging thing to me to get through. Through you know, little things like, could this really be real? You know, like so many people, is this Bible? Could this stuff really have happened? Is this thing real? Is is there a guy, the foundation? This guy they call Jesus, who's the foundation? This this thing that he really is—is is he who he says he is? Did he come for the reasons he said he did from beginning to end? Yeah, you know. And I started looking at this stuff, and uh, you know, one day it, it, it's got out. God got out of my head into my heart, and it was never changed for the last forty years. You know, all I can say is, if you truly search, he's real. He's there. He loves. Me, he cares. Someone's. It's a real experience. You know, at the point, you just got to get out of your head and into your head and become real. And, you know, it's a part of my everyday life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and uh, I share it openly, and that's who I am. And I can only share the experience that I had and how it impacted my life, my family, uh, my outlook on business, my outlook on life, my, my, my relationship with my wife. And the older I get, the clearer and easier it is for me, <laughs> me now to, to be more appreciative of, of my work with the Lord. So, Al, I've got a question, and it's a, I'm going to hyposit it this way. You know, as starting my own business in the outdoor industry and, and walking in faith, you know, how how has that affected, you know, business decisions and just, you know, living in the limelight and, and you know, outwardly expressing your faith? Is there, you know, ever moments of doubt? I mean, because in in today's society and day and age, it's definitely not something that's widely accepted. <laughs> Are you saying if if I had some some, some kickback? Yes. <laughs> but but what would be your advice? I mean, as far as just running a business and walking in faith. Okay, I, I have. If you look at the marketing partners that I have, every single one of them, from boat, motor, rod, reels, lures line electronics are the top right at the top of their field in their individual categories every one of them and we've been with them for many 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 years 
some of them almost my entire career. And I've sat in corporate boardrooms all over the country, go, going o- over television states, o- over television network and contract signed that were with these mega conglomerate corporations. And I think never have I had one of them say anything about my confession of faith on that show at all. Most of them have said they appreciated it and go for it. And one of the reasons for that is, is and, I'm not, and some of them are not people of faith, but they are business people. And the bottom line is I sell stuff for them. That's what I sell stuff for them. I do my job for them. I do it with excellence. That's why they don't, you know, you know so it's, it's open. I only I had one major, major challenge with a network. It was it was with a network. And, and Chad Jones said, they didn't want me talking about God. That, that was the words that they came back, came back and, and they said that it's interesting the way they did it. Notification. We played on this network for a number of years. And this particular year, our contract went just the way it always has. And we had five weeks into the show and it was a, a Wednesday afternoon when I got, when I got, got contacted by the president of the network. And, and he said, says, we're going to pull the show because of your uh, religious stance on it. We, we, we don't believe it's what we want our network anymore. This was on a Wednesday. We did, I managed, they did this, but they were going to pull it if we didn't. We did, we re-edited everything. I re-edited everything. And I had contracts signed with a bunch of sponsors and I had to deliver the numbers in there. So we re-edited that show and I got Friday night to air on that weekend. The entire re-edited version and we continued it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, our attorneys, said, you got to tell you've been with me. They wanted to take it to court. They said, you, you can't beat it. You got you ran for five weeks already. You did this for years. They never did it. They can't do this to you for, for this thing. And, and, and I talked to Ron and, and my wife and, and Dolores and his wife. No, we'll, we'll go through, through, through it. They don't want you there. They says, I don't want to be there if I don't want to be there. But they want they want us to be pulled off. They want they want to beat us on this thing. What we did, got the show to them. We made the changes. In our last End of the contract for the television season. We sent them a bill. They sent the the, the bill airing on it. It came to us, and we sent them a bill. We billed them back for the editing changes we had to make. Sent it back. back. I never heard from them. 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 I, I, I wouldn't pay, didn't pay them for the networking airtime. I charged them back for all of the pain and misery. Went back back through it. No legal. Nobody called us back. Not a single thing. The legal department, nobody from their legal, nobody, never heard from them since. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm really glad that you guys, you know, you and Ron have, have always been good about, you know, talking to people about your faith and it's been a centerpiece of the show. And one of the parts of the show that I actually look forward to a bunch is the very end when you, you know, go through whatever God lays on your heart. And I really just want to say thank you for doing that because, you know, we need to be able to talk about these things and it seems like culture is trying to move in a direction where they don't want you to talk about stuff that might offend somebody but it's like you know these are things that we should all be talking about you know if that's part of your life it's an integral piece you should be able to talk about it and, and there's one one thought i have on that patrick is to speak to have speech to have thought you risk being offensive mm-hmm. right to someone. And I mean, if we're just going to walk around muzzled in mass and never have a conversation about anything, I mean, I'm into big game hunting. That that can be offensive. Catching well, fish yeah, can be yeah. offensive. So yeah. we yeah. have to push back. We have to. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because they'll run over you if you don't. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm a big thing in the media business all my life. I'm a big believer of freedom of expression, freedom of speech, even if I don't agree with it. So am I. And, yep. Even if I don't agree with it, you still have a right to share it. I understand and I respect that. Yeah, and I think that's something that people need to remember is that just because somebody says something you don't like doesn't mean you have to agree with them. You can just right. choose not to listen to that person anymore. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're, exactly it. There's exactly it. There's stuff that's put out all all the time that I don't listen to, and I don't want to be associated with because I don't agree with what their stance is. And you know, there's plenty of stuff that I do love to watch and listen to that I do agree with. There's people that disagree whether you should catch fish on spawning beds or not, right? We right. can get in an argument about that. <laughs> or, yeah, you, know, you can easily, easily yeah. get one on. You can easily get on that. But, but again, I, 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 like I said, I, I respect our, our freedom of speech is an expression is, is an important thing. I've been in a media business my life, all my life. And 
and people have a right to share that. I have I have a right to like to, to tune into it, shut it off, or do whatever I want with it, not read it. I can exercise my own decisions. Yeah. I'm not going to go in there and, and, and uh, uh, call their sponsors and say you shouldn't sponsor them because you're doing this. That I'd never do. Yep. And, and I think that's something that needs to be heard. And I'm glad that somebody, I'm sure a few people will hear it on this podcast, but what you said is very true. We don't need, you know, this cancel culture of, of things, right. you know, people right. need to be able to share and people need to be adults about it and mature enough to handle it and choose what they want to listen to and what they don't. I mean, that's, it's, it's really part of the backbone of what, what our country was supposed to be about. And, uh, Anyway, I do want to change gears just a little. Um, A guy that's been really influential in my life on fishing is Pat O'Grady. I met Pat, oh man, it's probably been 12, 13 years ago, and he was getting his company started, and I jumped in and helped him out with PK lures and he had, sure. he had told stories about you coming out to Wyoming and doing some fishing. I remember reading in the uh, walleye wisdom books um, about uh, Seminole and a few things. So I just wondered if you could share a little bit about coming out to Wyoming. Oh, the, the Western states are so different than Northern Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> or Ontario. It's a whole different world. And you mentioned it to a, you mentioned alluded earlier when one thing that I had to get used to was the never-ending wind. Oh man, never-ending wind! And uh, I mean, if you go, if you're going to fish there, you know, you better better get used to wind. Better not bother you. <laughs> better be able to rig the boat right, right to handle it and, and, and be, you know, and be in a safe piece piece of equipment to handle mm-hmm. wind. You know, because it seems I don't know if you you guys ever go through three straight days in a row where you would have a calm day. Never for three, happens. For, for three, I don't think no. that'll ever happen. <laughs> I go to archery shoots and I have people say, well, I'm not shooting in the wind. And they start complaining, oh, the wind's blowing. I say, well, you come to Wyoming, if you don't shoot or hunt in the wind, you just don't go hunting. <laughs> Our joke on the PWT, well, we go to the Dakotas as an example. Oh, you, you, you look at the weather report the night before and they say, they say the wind, the wind, wind will be from 15 to 25. That means it's going to be 40 plus. <laughs> it's going to be 40 miles an hour plus. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> oh boy, that's the truth. Well, and you talk about Seminole. That is one of the windiest places, I think, in the lower 48. I mean, it, the, the wind speeds on that reservoir are ridiculous, but I'll tell you, the fishing is phenomenal. How many wind turbines have they put around it? Yeah, they put a lot of wind turbines <laughs> around that sucker. <laughs> For good reason. But, uh, you know, the, the, those western reservoirs grow phenomenally big fish. Hey, we're you trying know, to keep big, that a big, secret, big, Al. Oh, man. I mean, I mean these donkey corn fish. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> is amazing and even some very i'm a smallmouth nut i love smallmouth fishing the smallmouth world of smallmouth fishing is as popular as it's become the tournament organizations that have really they come up north and they had a taste of smallmouth fishing in the great lakes and now they're coming everywhere yeah you know to get to, to experience it in the, in the tournament fishermen love it the smallmouth fishery that exists west of the mississippi river is still some of the most unexplored smallmouth fishing in North America. The systems, yep. it is a met west of the river. In the western states, many of those reservoirs got phenomenal, phenomenal smallmouth fishing. I uh, yeah, you know, I like to t- big, tell big this fish. story. I've told it a couple times. There's a there's a river in Oregon. I won't give the name, but uh, I'll email it to you. We a uh, drift boat floated it one day, and I hooked sixty smallmouth in a day. And I got tired of jigging for them, so I put on a mouse pattern I tied, and I caught you know half a dozen smallies on a mouse pattern. Just throw it right against the bank and start stripping it out. And they that that river, this drift boat only, so no motor boats, and that that can be a lot of fun. No, I mean those, those are they're, they're sparkling gems out there, and some of the some of the bigger systems. Uh, you take the Missouri River system as, as an example. For you got Fort Peck, you got Sac, you got Owyhee. Uh, uh, you know these are massive bodies of water. Mm-hmm. You have massive, massive systems, and, and there's spots in in, in in there that I mean the smallmouth. Nobody there's coves that they won't see an angler in there all year. 
<laughs> yeah. Super small. <laughs> Nobody will be there. Fort Peck. Yeah, you know, remote and hard to get to. Yeah, Fort Peck is one of the most remote fisheries I've ever been to. And I'll tell you what, there, there have got to be miles and miles of shoreline that never get fished. And, I mean, there's massive, never, massive never, fish never. in there. In the schools, when you get in, when you get up there and and run way up that, that, that even a, the dry arm, is a, the dry arm, the, the short, that arm is about, what, 40, I think that's 40 miles long. Yeah. And then you got that main arm is like 160 miles long. <laughs> There's And very few accesses. Oh, yeah. You know, you're right. I remember we had a PWT tournament, tournament there, and what really got my attention on this smallmouth, Parsons weighed in. A, no, it was Cabayas. They ran way, way. He, came, he brought the smallmouth in with his bag of fish so we could weigh it. It was like a 6.3 or a 6.4. This was that smallmouth. That many, he wanted to weigh it on a scale in his macro. <laughs> I didn't just swarm up way up in the summer since I couldn't even pull a bottom out. He had, we had to leave somebody's some of the structures. He said the smallmouth were driving us crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a ton of them in there. That's an incredible fish. Like you said, they're, they're you know they're miles up. It is the most untouched, massive area of untouched smallmouth that fishing in the those three reservoirs there. Not to mention some of the other. There's one, and I, I forget that one. That yeah, you know, they believe. I think they they believe the next state record for sure come out of there. I can't remember the name of it. If you said it, I would know it. Yeah, there's some well there's known. Some fanta- yeah, there's some fantastic fisheries out here, and I know just in Wyoming alone. I mean, you've got a number of really good reservoirs for walleye, and uh, you know, a couple for smallmouth that are really significant, and a whole bunch that are good for trout of various species. And of course, you got Flaming Gorge with those humongous lake trout, and that's yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, an incredible fun. fishery too. Well, we. We touched on it earlier. In, in the gorge, isn't there smallmouth in there? Yeah, they've they've kind of taken a dive. The they they think that the uh, burbot that made their way there somehow somebody moved burbot down there into that drainage from up probably around this area, and uh, they just haven't they haven't done as well. They they were doing really well in the early two thousands. I used to go down there with my dad, and we'd catch some up to four or four and a half pounds, and now it's pretty hard to find them. They're still there. They're just not in the quantity that they used to be. Well, something happened environmentally then. Yep. So there's stories. something to be said for that. You know, when I grew up steelhead fishing, you'd spend a lot of hours. And when you finally hook into one of those 30, 40 inch fish, I mean, they, they take you for a ride for a while, but you can fish for two, three, four days before you even catch one, hook one. Yeah, before hook up. You, you go smally fishing and <laughs> I mean, those fish are so dang aggressive. It's oh, they're fun. It's fun. So that's a, that's one of the beauty of them. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a little reservoir here in Wyoming that kicks out, you know, around five pound fish pretty regularly. Um, and I, I went there with a buddy of mine one time and we were fishing top water. I think between Josh and I, we, we both got probably 80 fish a piece just fishing little poppers on the surface and it was just a lot of fun and then that thing that you talked about al that happens in wyoming happened and the wind came up and was blowing really really hard and we had to get off of there but you're holding to the gunnel of the boat for your life you got your your jacket uh, on and we got wet i'll tell you that much we got wet but um so al what's uh what's next what's in the future what's what's you know what are you planning what's coming up what do we should we uh be watching for. I'm I'm getting a little long in tooth here. The age is starting to show. Show I'm slowing down a little bit. I said I tell me and Jimmy we go musky fishing. You got me for four hours. I ain't going to go on a ten hour marathon throwing two pound rubber bait. That ain't going to happen. You're only as old <laughs> as you act, Al. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I'm going as strong as I can. My body doesn't want to. My body don't want to receive that. <laughs> <laughs> There's things that are wearing down a little. I think that's. <laughs> wisdom speaking too <laughs> a little of that in there too so i have to i have to pick pick and choose a little bit a little bit more but i still love it i love the game I, I, you know as long as i can contribute to this sport in a positive way i'm, I'm going to do it and yeah you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna quit i'm not gonna retire but i am gonna cut back you know and and i mean by cutting back I want to do more fun fishing uh, on the shows. Jimmy, Jeremy, the, the, the staff and other people we work with. I'd like to see Troy get a little more involved with this stuff. These guys are good. You pick up the ball and run. I've been on the front lines long enough. <laughs> I want to fun fish a little bit more. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and by that, I mean, go do some things on places. A lot of them are small 
bodies of water that I'd like to go to and play around a little bit that I haven't had an opportunity to do. And a lot of people filming don't understand that, you know, when you're going fishing for the weekend without a camera crew, that, that can be quite pleasurable when you're going filming for an episode that can be, you know, when you got to redo takes or redo, when you just want to go explore. You got to make it happen, man. You got to make it happen. It's work and people don't, they, they sit in their living rooms and watch that and go, oh, well, they were just, they turned the camera on and went and had a fun time. <laughs> there's a lot of hours behind the scenes when yeah. the camera's yeah. off of work. And, and then there's, a, a, you know, it's the dressing. A lot of times a lot can happen on a hot bike fest. But then when you dress the show after that, that's when you get the underwater camera stuff out, you know, to fit the, to fit the scene where the fish are coming in, in uh, to get the right drone shots and the environment. Those, you know, those all add to the editing and make it a little more exciting. The music tracks that, that go with it, you know, music is so subtle. And, uh, uh, you, you know, a lot of shows don't use music because you have to pay. Uh, uh, it costs us $30,000 a year to use a music track. So yeah, I'm, yeah, that's just to the music track because of the royalties on it. Yeah, Al, my, uh, my company's right in the, this is our very first go. My dad and I went sheep hunting this last fall. We hired a cameraman and we took him and I'm learning very quickly of the, uh, shortcomings of, we didn't get, you know, B-roll shot here and this extra shot here and, you know, getting that underwater shot or that overhead shot that you need. And it's, you know, it's really hard now to recreate and get those extra shots that we need to produce the film that I want to produce. To make a real exciting piece, you bet. That B-roll is gold, man. <laughs> they're putting it, they're putting the, the actual, the actual easiest part it, it like in a fish is actually catching the fish and getting that part of it done. Yeah. Catching it's the fish on film is the easy. Yep. Yeah, it, yep. And then you, everything else is putting it together. Yeah. Well, it's all done in an editing suite. And the more things you have to complement the show, the better it becomes. Yep. B-roll. Yep. And we're, we're struggling and we're stretching it as, as, as thin as we can. But, but it's fun, man. It's yeah. fun. It, it is a lifestyle worth living. Believe me. I, if you, if you could do it and you find a way to get your niche in there and make the buck doing it, and this is a lifestyle business for a lot of people. If you, if money is your motivation and you want to get rich, don't come to the fishing industry. There's <laughs> yeah. a lifestyle. Some of us, if you, you can make a good comfortable living, but if money is to go to Silicon Valley and, and live in that world out there, if you want to be able to go out and enjoy the, the great outdoors and have a comfortable living, living this lifestyle, the fishing industry and the hunting industry, you ain't got a better choice. You will never regret it. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I have one more question, and this is a really important question, Al, because on this podcast, we talk a lot about recipes and we talk about food. Eating. I'm sure you eat fish. I, I, oh, yeah. I'm positive of that because it's so darn good. But what is your favorite fish species to eat, and how do you like it prepared? It's real simple for, for me. I, mean, I had it three nights ago. Uh, again, it's perch. Okay. Perch. Yeah. Just fried, fried up perch. Beer battered perch. Oh, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> a, simple, a, a, a can of bean, bean beans, some some cream corn on the side side with it, and it's like eating a. a it's better than a lobster dinner. <laughs> it's as simple as it gets. It sounds and like it is always good. It's always. A, yeah, it sounds like you've been to an Edwards family dinner because that's what we do at my house: <laughs> the fried walleye perch and crappie, and some <laughs> some spicy beans. Oh man. <laughs> Fresh, fresh perch are, it, it, they are, it, it's still, you can salivate thinking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife, she, I mean, she gets so excited when I say we're going to get perch tonight. Just for, guy, guys came back, back from a leech lake and they were on a good perch button. So he wants to make a perch for you guys. Bring them over, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. And again, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. We're really grateful for you. You know, not just the impact you've had on our lives and whatnot, but just, I know how busy you are and I am grateful for you taking the time to spend with us today. It was fun. I really, really enjoyed the opportunity guys. Like I, like, like I said, uh, if, if I can't be fishing, the next thing I want to do is talk about fishing and what it would have gone about 10 below tonight. I'm enjoying, I enjoyed uh, our, our time here today and uh, 
uh, you know, a, another opportunity sometime. In fact, you might want to get, get you might want to get some, sometime you're looking for another guest. You can you should get a hold of Jimmy or Jeremy. Yeah, you know they have different that are outstanding, and I know they'd love to be with you. Well, so I, Troy, you want to get to Troy? Troy, he can get he can get into some real offbeat stuff. Yeah, I, I <laughs> love I all those guys. I Jimmy and his musky fishing, Jeremy. Those guys, I'm I'm really jealous because out here. You know, we just don't have access to purebred muskies. It's just, we don't have them. So, you know, I watch those guys and I watch those shows and I just sit there and I salivate and I cry a little bit because I really wish I could be there. But man, it's sure fun to watch those guys catch them. When the fall muskie bite turns out, I'm telling you, they, they get like, you know that it's ha- happening after the turnover and they get, they get in that fall muskie. Their eyes turn glassy. You can't even talk to them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they're, like, they're, like they're out in space. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. Patrick knows when, when fall elk season rolls around. Yeah. David's gone. David with fall elk, he's gone. But <laughs> Al, I will, uh, I'll tell you, you know, if, if you make it out this way, we'll put you on some fish instead of just talking about some fish. I love it, bro. I like it, man. I'm in. Well, God bless you, and uh, you know, be safe on your travels this year. And I look forward to watching more of the Linder Media. So I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for the opportunities, guys. Everybody, uh, have a good, safe season out there. All right, Al. Thanks a lot. Bye, Al. Bye, bye. So I think we should keep rolling for a minute. We'll wrap this show up. I do have to tell a story about Al. I'm really glad he came on the show. And my first and only time that I've seen Al was that I cast in 2011 and I was working on my laptop and I was up at the Las Vegas Convention Center and I was sitting on the side. Which with is the, a huge building, oh by the way. Oh my gosh, it's enormous. I'm sitting up and kind of out of the way trying to find a quiet place so I could get Wi-Fi and do some work for Pat O'Grady and PK Lure. So I'm working on it and I see this guy come off the, come off the stairs and I see that it's Al Linder. And I'm like, oh man, that's, that's all Linder. I want to go say hi and say thank you. And so I get up and I start to head that way. And I kid you not, it was like a stampede. Like the ground shook, you know, the sky got dark. There was all these people that just <laughs> came from got- every direction and kind of cut me off. And it, you know, it was like, okay, you know, these guys are more important than me. These are sponsors. You know, these are guys that have a vested interest in talking to Al. And so I'm like, I'll just wait here for a minute. I'm sure it'll clear out. It didn't clear out, man. It got the, worse. The, the mass of people just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then that mass moved down to where all the booths were. And I was like, well, there goes my chance to shake his hand and say thanks. <laughs> but got to be quicker next time, Patrick. I guess. But no, he's now he's you a, just got to spend an hour talking with him. Yeah. And he's, he's a wonderful guy. And, He's made an impact on my life that, you know, I can only just tell you guys that it meant a lot to me today to be able to talk to him. When I was younger, my mom passed away when I was 14. And after my mom passed away, one of my things that was kind of an outlet for me was fishing just to get away, clear my head, get away from life. And my dad, I remember one Saturday, he took me down to Cabela's in Sydney, Nebraska, which is about a hundred miles from Cheyenne. So we went to Sydney, bought some fishing gear, but we also went and we found that they had a rack of in fishermen VHS tapes and books. And so we picked up those things and brought them home. And I mean, I was in those things like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, in those rough winters of Cheyenne that I I keep talking about, you know, with the wind and just the crappy fishing that was there. And I don't mean the fish, you know, we, we would watch those videos and it would get us amped up for that next trip to the gorge to catch smallmouth or that trip that we had that next year where we just clobbered the yellow perch and the walleye at Boyson. So, you know, those kind of things really mean a lot to me and just Al and just the way he is, just how he has so much fun, has so much joy around fishing. It's just so inspiring to me. And so having him on was a big deal, you know, for me today. So it was great. But, you know, I learned that passion and positivity, right? Mm-hmm. Faith, faith and, and fishing is what he said. But you, if, if you're not having fun in this industry and he, he really did hit the nail on the head. Yes, it's, it's nice to to be able to get to a point where you could make a living at it. But if you want to make money, go go to Silicon Valley, go, go, <laughs> yeah. go create the next app or whatever the next thing is. And you'll make money and, and live that lifestyle. But you know, he touched on it. He's been in the industry for longer than about anybody and mm. he's still working. Yeah. I, 
it's it's crazy. He's I believe he's seventy six years old and he's still going and just definitely an inspiration to a lot of people. And uh, one of the things I wanted to pass along is if any of you want to try to win a trip to go fishing with Al, you can actually put in for that right now. If you go to anglingedge.com, which is their Linder Media fishing page, so it's anglingedge.com, you can actually enter to win a trip to go fishing with Al, which I highly recommend you at least and try. That'll be in the show notes. Yep. So I'll have that there. And then of course, go check out their website. I mean, they have so much information on so many different species of fish. It's kind of mind-blowing because there's just tons of it and you can order dvds and a number of other things but definitely support them they're a great family great group of people definitely take a kid or a new person with you fishing go go pick a go pick smallies yeah and go catch some and buy them some of these dvds or show them their youtube channel for leftover magazines excited in fact last night before doing this and stuff i showed the kids i said do you want to see who we're going to have on the podcast and the kids were like yeah i do and so i pulled up youtube and just played one of their one of their walleye videos and they're like, Oh man, that's really cool. Dad. And you know, and they were all excited. So definitely get people inspired, get them out there. That's the whole goal, Patrick. Exactly. So again, thanks to everybody for listening to this podcast. Um, it doesn't happen without support of our listeners and Dave and I definitely appreciate it. We do. Uh, sorry. You have to listen to me some days <laughs> <laughs> or me for that matter. Some days I'm not all there, but definitely go to our website. We have show notes. We have a lot of different episodes on tons of topics, you know, bears and elk and walleyes, you name it. We've got a little bit of everything. And then of course you can check us out on the social media. If you want to support that. us, go get your Radcast hat. Get we'll, a hat. We'll ship it to you. They're pretty cool. They're pretty sharp. And of course, go out and subscribe. You know, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of those places that you get your podcasts, subscribe to the podcast, like the podcast. Please definitely leave us a review. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah. So anyway, just want to say thank you again. Again, check us out at radcastoutdoors.com.